Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Refuse to Lose podcast with Manly Seagull star Joel Thompson. Now, Joel is well known for his mental health work and his charity, The Mindset Project. It's something he's spoken about a lot, but in this podcast, he goes into more detail about his life. He speaks about his fear for suicide and domestic violence rates because of the ongoing coronavirus crisis. He also touches on his use of bipolar medication and how it has affected his football. He talks about his time on benders to now quitting alcohol completely because of an accident that almost claimed his life. He even reveals how he considered retiring from footy, plus plenty of other fun stories about his time in the NRL. Joel is a compelling speaker and a great storyteller, so I hope you find this chat as entertaining as I did. Please enjoy. Joel Thompson. Welcome to the Refuse to Lose podcast, mate. No, thanks for having me. Strange time in the uh, the rugby league world, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, we spoke about it before. Um, it is strange times, but it's the reality now. We just have to adjust our life to that and, and just move forward through it. How are you kind of dealing with it as a, as a player? You know, you wouldn't have had this kind of time in your life. No, obviously it is challenging. Um, again, just um, there's not much I can do. I just focus on my family and what I can do here. Um, you know, try and do a little bit of training, um, get a bit of routine happening. Um, but yeah, again, I'm in the same boat as many. Uh, not just professional footballers. You know, everyone we're we're facing some challenges, and but we'll come through it. Um, no doubt about it. But yeah, just trying to keep busy and you know stick to a routine. What do you um? What are you missing most about about the footy and, and being around the boys? Yeah, obviously, you know, going in, having a routine, going in, doing the training with the boys, you know, having a laugh, um, that connection you have with humans, you know, you want to have that connection, you know. Obviously, I've got my family here, but, um, you know, I miss having, having a laugh with the boys and being around them and going for coffee and, and um, you know, and just being around that training environment, but... Um, again, it's the reality. We I don't know how long this will go for, and no one does. Um, but um, yeah, no doubt we'll go through it, come through it. What do you think? Do you think this will be an eye opener for a lot of the guys? You know, that have probably just had football their whole lives, and it's just always been a constant thing. You know, since they've come through young, and now to be like, oh, you know, this can yeah. go away quickly. Yeah, for sure. Um, everyone's got their own. You know, have faced adversity, no doubt about it. You have. Everyone has, and this is just another dose of it for everyone. And and some of these young guys, um, it's all new to them. It's all new to all of us, I guess. But um, it's it's a, it's a challenge for them. It's it's you know, how do they adapt to the situation? How do they keep themselves? You know. Um, well, uh, physically and mentally, um, and and like I said, it's it's a big learning curve for for those guys, but for for everyone. I thought I might start then, where start the podcast then with a bit of bit of fun, a bit of yeah. isolation fun. <laughs> yeah, couple of questions for you. Yeah, yeah. So if you were gonna watch, if you're stuck in isolation, you have got two weeks. Yeah, you're gonna watch one player, all their highlights. You got to watch just one player's games highlights just to watch them. At their best, who's who's your guy that you're watching? Current, former, uh, former Cliffy Lyons. Yeah. Uh, he's just the wizard. The wizard, yeah. He was a he was a freaky player. Um, the skills, the um, everything he touched was just magic. Um, he was, um, yeah, one of those special players. So yeah, definitely Cliffy. And what about 
with your manly teammates at the moment, if you were stuck in isolation, who's the worst you would hate to be with? Right oh, now? there's heaps of them actually. Um, pretty much most of them I'd hate to be. No, no, no. Obviously, the Turbo Boys would be pretty good. They're pretty cruisy. Um, there's a few. The worst would be Adam Fanul Blake or um, or Ciro. Yeah, Why? Oh, both different, but. They're just, um, they're grubby. They're just, yeah, nah, <laughs> they're, um, nah, I don't know. They're, they're both, um, yeah, they're both a bit grubby, so probably those two, yeah. What about coaches? Of all the coaches you've had, like I think, what, Neil Henry, Ferner, McGregor, yeah. Dez, Barrett, who, who, who's the worst you'd hate to be stuck with in this time? <laughs> I don't know if I can really comment on that. Uh, um, just, in, just in terms of like who's going to smash your trainer-wise, who's going to be? Oh, well... Um, Desi's pretty ruthless with training stuff. Um, we spoke again about it earlier about him watching us even when he was in hospital with his um, hip replacement. He was making sure he was watching all our sessions and making sure we're doing everything correctly. So, um, yeah, but that's how he gets results. Um, but yeah, they're all again different in their own way. Um, Mary was was pretty in your face. Um, um, he would ride you for a fair bit um, if you. You weren't playing good, or you were doing some. So, yeah, again, all of them. I would. I'd hate to be in isolation with any of them. Actually, to be honest, I've got this. I've got a Des Hasler story. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, he was at the Bulldogs, and I was probably like 22, 23, Yeah, just had my birthday, and yeah. he used to do press conferences at seven a.m. Yeah. at Belmore. Yeah, like before they changed the rules, and he wasn't allowed to. Yeah, so I um. I had my birthday Saturday night and he had a 7am presser oh, Sunday morning wow. and I got stitched up, sent there. Only person there, right? And I've gone pretty much in what I wore the night before. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he rocks up and he walks in, he just looks at me and he goes, what time do you get home? And I'm like, oh, Des, it's my birthday, probably about three o'clock. And he goes, all right, all right. And then kind of just stood there quietly. And then as soon as I open my mouth to ask a question, he goes, oh, <laughs> oh, just turns his head and goes, oh, jeez, you can smell it on your breath. Yeah. Anyway, three weeks later, right, just out of nowhere, yeah. one of my colleagues comes into work, puts his pack of chewing gum on my desk yeah. and goes, Des told me to give this to you. <laughs> and he's given out chewing gum to every journo yeah. at this press conference. Yeah, and he said, give it, give it to the young fella. Yeah. And every time he sees me now, he calls me party boy. <laughs> yeah. That's Desi. Yeah. He's, um, he's a funny man. I yeah, he comes up with the best stories, like just out of the blue at training, just uh, before a video session, he'll come up with this big story and no one knows where it goes and he'll just walk off and just leaves us all going, where, where, where does he go? But um, his humour is unreal. Like that's what makes him, you know, he's when his head's on, it's on. You, you, you know, um, I've had a fair few sprays um, around defensive stuff or making something, you know, not sticking to a system. Uh, he gets in your face and, you know, he lets you know which you, which you want to cop. Uh, but he mixes it up well with with a bit of humour in that as well, so that's good. I reckon he's got TV figured out. Like he studies these things. When you look at his behaviour, you go, you realise this bloke has actually put time and effort even to thinking how he can do the toughest possible media conference. Like <laughs> yeah. he knows that TV likes to be 20, 10 second grabs, like yeah. ten second little sound bites. So yeah. he'll extend an answer for thirty uh, mate, seconds. It's he, amazing. He's a highly intelligent man. Um, yeah, he that no doubt about it. He'd have it all worked out. He would have studied it all, uh, like the game. He studies everything. Um, so yeah, he's a good man. Do you watch your own highlights in isolation? 
No, I don't. I don't watch too much footy. Um, as I've got to this age, when I was younger, I used to watch so much footy and me highlights. If I made a, if I played a good game, I'd be watching that so many times. <laughs> um, give myself raps. But no, um, yeah, I, I try. Obviously, um, I haven't got any here to watch um, any games or anything recorded. So I've just been watching Netflix and um, my show Survivor just finished. I've been watching that and just yeah, the usual TV. I've got a I've got a fam- a favourite Joel Thompson moment. Okay, and I don't know if you knew this was happening, but yeah. you were you were playing. I think you were in New Zealand. Yeah, and it must have been through Origin. You had a heap of guys out, and I think you were you were captain of the side or you're the first guy. It might have been your two hundredth or so, a game, yeah, uh, yeah. and you're leading the team out. And the broadcaster's on, and the commentators stop talking, and you're first out the door. And all you hear is, it's just like, no one's given us a fucking chance, boys. Let's go out there and smash these. And it was just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just this, um, yeah, firing up. Nah, yeah, firing the boys yeah, up. Yeah. I'm, I was, I'm, I'm quite, um, yeah. I switched, I switched the flick off the switch. I sort of just go into when it's time to go out, and it's probably um, affected my game sometimes because I'm just, my head's just. Um, I've used so much energy during the day. I've played the game. I'm that revved up and psyched up, full of aggression, ready to just kill someone. Um, but, um, yeah, there's been a few sprays like that, trying to get the boys pumped up, trying to get myself pumped up. Sometimes when, you got, when you're a bit flat, it's been a long day, you didn't get to sleep in. Um, for some reason, you're just not feeling, you know, and I start talking and talking to myself and start, I'm, I'm a special guy, um, start revving myself up and, yeah, one of those sprays is, you know, um, they happen a fair bit. <laughs> I love it. It's just the audio drops out and that's yeah. all you hear in the whole TV oh, class. mate, there could have been a lot more worse than that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I even spray my teammates um, on the field sometimes, call them whatever names. Um, if it's the work in defence, if it's to get up, but if it's me, I don't want anyone spraying me. Only I'm allowed to do that. But um, yeah, um, yeah, it's just I've always been that like that. Where does that like in, intense? Like you, you said, you're an aggressive yeah. player. Where does yeah. that come from? Like, does it come from you've uh, had my, that your whole life? No, it's, yeah, it's been part of my personality. I've always been, um, even when I was younger, I was always, um, I was always hands. Like, I was always not ready to fight, but I was always. Um, oh, what is it? Um, ready to go if I had to, and then when it comes to the footy, it translated into football. So when I come on the footy field, I was ready to rip in and you know and be aggressive because that's the way I like playing footy and um, always have. It's probably kept me in the game for so long and, and it's given me a career. And um, I guess even from when I was young, I was probably uh, I was an angry kid um, when I was young, and it sort of you know didn't go away I ended up being an angry adult in some ways and I've learned to sort of control it a little bit and um like I said um I probably only got hold I got on top of it the last couple of years when I come to Manly how to sort of say a bit more relaxed and not to get too revved up and waste energy and and getting too psyched up but um yeah you live and learn you had to I mean, you've talked about your life yeah. before footy and that. You probably yeah. had to have that aggression at times in your oh, life to just sure. to survive, right? For sure. Um, yeah, I've spoken about me childhood plenty of times. Um, people are probably sick of hearing about it. But no, nah, definitely, um, you know, living in different, living in different um, places and uh, environments, you know, um, 
and different family members. You know, I've always had older cousins who, um, if I got a new shirt, if they tried to take it, I'd have to fight for it. Um, you know, and I always had to stick up for myself. And um, you know, I don't know. Always wasn't. I was never scared of getting hurt or um, any. The ref, you know, whatever would happen, I'd just you know whatever happened happened. And it's um, I sort of. I was like that from a young age. I was taught to be that way. Um, if I wanted something, I had to fight for it. So I don't know it just sort of went on through life. It sort of made up my personality in some way. I know you've you said you've spoken about your childhood a lot, and you have. Yeah. For, for, for people that haven't heard, you know, yeah. you obviously you went through a yeah. lot of issues. Yeah. Just just give us a quick a brief oh, uh, snapshot. Yeah, just, just so people. There's many out there with similar um, childhoods, but yeah, I was just you know a single mum. A lot of domestic violence, a lot of you know, drug, alcohol. Witnessed a lot of different stuff, uh, which a lot of kids out there currently do witness, still go through. Um, and kids like me back then um, had to fight through it. Um, it was tough times. I guess it did make me who I am. But it, it makes me grateful now. You know, um, having you come into my home and and this is my safe place. And you know, and having a family and. And having things, you know, it makes you be more grateful for what you do have now. Um, but yeah, it was challenging times back then. Moved around a lot. Um, a lot of times where, you know, it wasn't food in the fridges. There wasn't, you know, there was times where you'd go to school home. It was just different challenges that you'd, I faced through my childhood. And I guess there was a turning point around 13, 14 when I went and lived. 13 it was, sorry. I went and lived with my nan. And um, I guess things started to change in a more positive way for me. But um, I could, I could, you know, hand on my heart. I could definitely say that I was heading in the direction of um, footy. Wouldn't have been involved. I would have been a career criminal. I would have been up to no good because that was my mentality and that was my mindset back then. Um, but um, yeah, it went into my nan's care and um, got some help and got put into a boarding school and then got into football and different things. But it's a, it was a messy childhood and um, you know, and do I. Do I wish it didn't happen? No way in the world. Like I, like I said, I learned a lot about a, a, a lot about life early on in life, um, yeah, through my childhood. You know, a lot of challenges. And for now, I, I sit back with with a family now, and you know, going to the fridge and, and having food in there, and um, you know, just being in a safe house. It, it makes you be really grateful for what you do have. And um, sometimes I sit back and think, wow, I'm I'm so lucky that what I have now and um, but yeah, so for any kids or anyone that out there is listening, just keep working hard and you'll come through it and you can and you can see, you can can say what I'm saying now and um, you know, it's all these lessons that you go through in life. We'll get on to all the work you do yeah. in a little bit, but just I guess when you talk about how, you know, you had that tough yeah. guy attitude growing up and stuff, yeah. how hard is it? To switch that off, and I know a lot of men struggle with this. Like, yeah. you know, we're all we're all the same. Yeah. I'm a bloke as well. I've had yeah. my own issues, but yeah. it's hard to talk about. And now you just talk about it so openly and honestly. Yeah. Well, How did you I, get to that point? Well, I never was going to talk about it openly and and speak about it. But um, there was a point. My wife out there with my children now. She um, there was a point where. Things got quite dark um, and she got me some professional help and obviously things changed for me. This is when I was at the Raiders um, and then I wasn't going to go and speak about it. This is what we kept between me and her and my close friends and certain people around me at the time and um, my coach and different people at the club. And um, But as you mature and you keep on going through and I stuck to this um, mental health plan. It was from a counsellor. Uh, you know, She set up what she wanted me to do and 
you know, obviously stopped drinking as much as I was and um, get involved in something um, to keep myself occupied and give me and, and find, you know. Um, so I started, you know, helping out throughout the community and found a bit of a purpose, you know. I was like, oh, because I really didn't, I wasn't happy with life. I just at all like I was just like this life shit <laughs> really you know I wasn't have, getting up in the morning going oh this is a great this is going to be a great day I was waking up going this is shit what, what am I doing here I didn't have that purpose footy wasn't doing that for me at all um but I went and started giving back and connecting with a lot of kids that had the same similar upbringing and, and faced the same sort of battles that I did and I was I was like oh now I can sort of help them come out of that and, and that sort of gave me a, a purpose like it just made me get out, out of bed and go it's going to be a good day I'm going to do this I'm going to do that with these kids so um yeah that was eight nine years ago we're talking a long time ago and um uh, an opportunity come up a couple of years after the to share my story um and my wife really encouraged me to she goes you should do it you should just go out there and start you know speaking about it because there'll be so many people out there like you that suffered alone didn't want to go and ask for help you know have that mentality i'll get through it and that's how i did i was like oh i'll get through it whatever there's just a few battle you know i'll come through this um but i couldn't do it on my own and i was was suffering one out and i didn't really tell anyone and lucky for her I actually went to a house after a bender and then opened up to her um and um yeah she just encouraged me to go and speak and then I started sharing it and I felt a bit better like when I was doing it it was like a bit of a healing thing for myself I was like oh this is this is good for myself you know that for me to go and do this so you know I continued to do it and now I've continued to help through the community because it's been I wanted to stick to that because I knew how much it helped me so why would I stop doing something that helped me it pretty much saved my life if I'm being totally honest to you um and my wife will tell you that too it probably did save my life um and so I just want to stick to something that that did that for me and and continue doing the community stuff and giving back and I continue to speak about it and I continue being involved and people and and I used to contradict myself a fair bit because I'd go out there and you know go talk to kids and go oh don't do this don't do that and I'd be going out and still drinking and and partying and still being an absolute you know madman um and then I'd have all these guilt going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, cont- you know, I'm telling lies. Like I'm not actually living. And you know, I continue to do that. Only too recently, I, you know, I still have my battles. Um, I was also diagnosed with um, type two bipolar, and um, you know, mental health ran in my family. And um, when I got diagnosed at the Dragons, it sort of, it really um, explained a lot of my behaviour and a lot of things and. Um, and and always something I'll have to always be aware of and always being check, but check you know being checked with. Um, um, so I always got to manage that and make sure I'm staying healthy. You know, um, you would have seen not long ago where I um, was drinking and and hit my head on a, on a rock and um, yeah, I nearly lost my life again. If it wasn't for people finding me, I would have bled out and I wouldn't be here now speaking to you. So um, that was probably the final. Um, um, what do you call it? It's more than a hiccup, but I'm just going to call it a hiccup. But it was a, you know, something that I really, when I spent weeks in hospital, I really went, there's more to life than to be like this. Why not just stick to, you know, what I want to be? I want to, you know, be better than this. And alcohol will really stop me from doing that. I'll, I'll get to the, the head oh, into yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'll jump I'll, the gun. I'll, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. It's your podcast, man. Yeah, but yeah, I'll, no. I'll, um, 
I'll get yeah. to that. I just I just want to touch on when yeah. you talked about the bipolar and stuff. Like yeah. I've heard other guys talk about uh, yeah. uh, uh, how who deal with this kind of thing, and yeah. I think it was Andrew Johns. I, I can't remember off the top of my yeah. head, but he saw, he talked about when he to deal with the bipolar, he'd be on medication and stuff, and and yeah. and then it would stop. You know, it stopped the lows getting low, yeah. but then it stops the highs getting high, and it people kept in the middle, and you just but you, and then they miss those highs, and oh, 100%. how difficult is that to 100%, deal with, mate? Um, I've I couldn't agree more. Um, I haven't heard that about John's. I don't even know he was. I, I, I think it might have been Joey. Look, I oh, might no, be wrong, yeah, but, but yeah, anyway, someone said um, it. It definitely does. And uh, when I got diagnosed, um, when I was at the Dragons, it was in two thousand and. 14, 15, I could ask my wife. She comes back in for the exact – she knows the exact date. Everything. Everything. She but, yeah. yeah. Well, she walked me yeah. through it. Yeah. Um, but I went to see the first specialist and he diagnosed me. I was like, no, because my mum has it. And I was like, no, I don't want – it brought back a lot of my childhood stuff. It just I remember a lot of the conversations around that. And I was like, no, I don't want that because I just brought back so many – it dug up some, some, um, some demons in there a bit. And it just – I know. I just felt like my life was going to head down that direction, and I just didn't want to, you know, accept it. Um, so they gave me medication, lithium. I don't know if you heard of it, but um, I was going to training, and my wife was actually putting it in my mouth, going, so "If you want me and the kids to be in your life, you need to take this. Like we need you, we need you to be, you know." Um, so. I'd start taking. I was like I was in jail, so I'd open my mouth and, and swallow it before I'd go to training. And um, man, I'd go to training. And are they too loud? Me, the girls. No, no, they're fine. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, and I'd go to training, and I would be, um, I'd be just mellowed out. I'd go into training, and I didn't feel like you know, if we we're doing sprinting, sprinting hard. I wouldn't feel like doing any contact, like tackling and wrestling like I was just too relaxed to be honest and it was doing this job obviously and I was like nah this is going to affect the way I need that high I need that aggressiveness I need that like full of energy because that's what's got me giving me a career um so I didn't tell my wife at the start but I just um I'd put it in my mouth and then I'd walk off because she started like you know turned into she'd stop doing it because she was thinking I'll stick into it but I'd spit it out and um and then I'd went went for a drink one day and um obviously um my personality with bipolar is when you have this switch it just you don't have an off switch you don't have a oh I'm going home um because you know um you just keep you just got a motor that goes forever and um i went missing for days and she couldn't find me she was contacting my friends and i was just having a drinking session with people and um you know things got again would go from up on a high you know having a good time there but then i'd go back down to low i'd be having to deal with my wife um you know going through that which it wasn't fair for her and the family and um, you know, I'd be low and I'd be, you know, in this dark place again. I wouldn't be medicated. And then um, obviously uh, Benny Cray by then was the doing the welfare stuff there and she got in contact with Benny Cray and um, they got me in to see another psychiatrist and, again, this Indian guy, um, he's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. He pretty much explained my whole life. It was like pretty much he had a camera on me and he explained it and I was like, wow. I read it out that, of a textbook kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And I was like, have you been speaking to my wife? And he's, <laughs> he's like, no, I've been, you know, because there was a massive waiting list to go in and see this guy. And, um, yeah, he um, explained my life. And it just really, and he goes, "If I know you've got a family. 
oh, you need to you need to take this, you know, you need to own this. And I did because let me little daughter there, she was a big reason why. Hello, darling. Um and you know, she was only little by then and um, you know, for her and um, you know, for my, I really had to own it and, and do what I had, you know, keep this stuff under control. And, um, we found different trial, different medication and, um, you know, end up finding another one that worked that sort of didn't take the extreme. I could still be, you know, train hard and have that little bit, but it wasn't fully, I thought it was a bit more extreme. You just had to find what worked for me and that's what I did. And I had to obviously, um, change other things in my life also. Um, you know, maybe, you know, restrict how I was going to drink a bit and, you know, who I was hanging around and, um, different stuff like that. Um, and I did that and, um, yeah. And over the years, I've sort of managed it the best I can. I've, I've gone off it and I'm in a spot now where obviously I'm not drinking. I've given up alcohol um so i haven't been on medication and i'm in a really happy i've so happy as i've ever been i'm in a really good spot um even going through this pandemic like going through corona i'm still in a in a really happy place and um you know that's what i i realize that i just sometimes some of us just have to work a little bit harder than others and that's just the reality of it unfortunately now it's just the cards I've been dealt with and I've just got to do the best with them cards and a lot of people are in the same position, probably people are listening. Um, it wasn't our fault that, you know, I was diagnosed with this or I had this, but I just but now I do it. It's my responsibility now to, to own it and do the best thing, not just for myself, but for my little family. Like you see my little girls and that running around, it's all about them now and um that's what's my motivation, yeah. What about meditation? Did you ever you ever try that? I tried it but um I couldn't stick it today. I actually, um, I've tried it a few times, um, and I actually, I go in and out. Like I'll do it for a little bit, and I, um, I have the app, smiling app. Um, these different apps, and I was just, I laid on my chest, but then I'll get caught up in watching a TV series, and I'll just, you know, it'll go out the window. Um, so the only reason I mention it is because yeah. I've, I've done some meditation. I've been like you, yeah. the same. Try to use the apps, and then you just find yourself falling asleep or dozing yeah. off. But then a, a friend got me onto this thing called Vedic meditation, yeah. and it's like you go and do this one course on a weekend, and it's this yeah. guy, and he basically just gives you this little mantra that you basically just run through in your head and stuff and I've never felt like anything like it it's wow. crazy like it keeps you tuned in and yeah. he teaches you about how to use it and stuff and suddenly you just you know I'm, I'm always tapping like I'm a tapper yeah, yeah like I'm a, a tapper too yeah, yeah and then you do this and I sit there for, and you do it 20 you do it 20 minutes morning 20 minutes at night yeah. do it all day and I'll just sit there for 20 minutes in this head and will not move and like yeah, you wow. just it's it's pretty crazy oh, like, mate, I'll get the details around it after this Um, but yeah I'm always trying different stuff and um, reading, I get get into reading these days. That's that's also good. But um, but yeah, I'm always trying different stuff. I'm again bipolar, so you do something for certain stages and you'll go off it. Then you'll come back to it. Then you'll do something else, and it's just that's just I'm, I know that now. Um, so I'm always in and out trying different stuff. But um, but yeah, like I said, I'm in a really good place. I realise now if I ever do drink again, I hope that I could have a red wine and have a few beers, with the you know, going out for dinner or whatever, um, and under control where I don't go drinking and you know turn into twenty beers and sitting up here by myself listening to the country music, drinking beers, you know, and have my wife come down and go and get to bed and. You know, me going, nah, and I'll sit up here till whenever. There's been plenty of those, you know. If I don't get to that stage, then, you know, I'll have a beer again. But 
if I can't, well, obviously I'll just have to give it up because it just doesn't work for me. Country music, that's such a that's oh, such an Aboriginal thing. Yeah, not even country music, you know, cold chisel, just the rock music, just a bit of everything. But uh, for some reason, any time I'm drinking, I like getting into that then. Um, but yeah, there's been plenty of those um, where I'll just sit up here and have beers and one out and you know, that's when it gets a bit messy when there's situations like that. You just can't stop, man. Nah, oh. nah, unfortunately. We'll, we'll touch on because uh, I want to talk about you, you know, giving up alcohol after the yeah, accident. Yeah, but yeah. You, tell us about the, the work you do, your, your own organisation, yeah. you know, the Mindset Project. Yeah. Tell us just a quick yeah. overview of, of what okay. you guys do. Well, how it started was I was doing some because I was doing some a lot of this stuff volunteering just because I stuck to this plan that this lady gave me back in Canberra in two thousand and what eleven or twelve. Um, terrible with dates, um, but. Um, I wanted to stick to that because obviously it worked for me. So um, I was doing some stuff up at the Juvie in – this is when I was at Wollongong up in Campbelltown, Reby. Um, juvenile, so I was going in there with the boys and, and hanging out with them, doing some sports with them. And, um, yeah, I was doing up, you know, you know every every week or two, you know, just going up there chilling with the boys for the day. And, you know, I loved it. And uh, one of the guys there actually said, he goes, you know what, um, you actually could get paid for what you do. I said, oh, it's not really about the money, but um, he goes, well, I'm just telling you, you should actually look into it, and and you know, you you, you the boys love you, we love you here, you know, um, but people coming in and do half what you're doing and still get paid, you know, for it. So I was like, oh, okay, um, and then I started thinking, you know, I'm getting a bit older now, I'm footy, I've got a young family, I've got girls, I've got mortgages. I said, maybe I could earn, you know, and turn into something like that, and. Um, and so I turned in and come up with like a name of my wife because I was seeing a, um, a, a counsellor, a, a psychologist um, talking about fixed and growth mindset stuff. We're doing that one day and I seen it on these papers like, oh, the mindset. And then you know how you go online and there's like this business name registry? Uh, registry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I was just trialling all different stuff and then the Mindset Project come up as free. I was like, oh, well, here we go. I'm keeping that on then. Um, and then it's gone from there. And, and, you know, it hasn't been a big motivation, obviously, money. It's always been a part of my plan to be better and to give back. And I, I found a purpose in helping others. But I was like, I've got a family, something I could do after football. So, um, you know, I've worked, I've had a lot of people that have helped me along the way and I've kept in contact with a lot of them. And so it's all their resources. All I have is my story. No one changes that. My story is my story, but what I do is provide resources that I've put into my life um, that have changed me. You know, if it's, um, you know, there's so many different things that you could change, you know, simple stuff, but I've just like put that into a booklet and have people that have helped me and, and put the resources and refer it back to them and evidence based stuff. And now I'll just go out, share my story and go, all right, here's some exercise, some stuff that you can take away from here, share it with others. Here's a booklet. You fill it in. Here, you got the information here. If you need help, this, this does not replace professional support, you know, pro- professional, but it can be a guide to help you with your wellbeing. And, you know, and, um, you know, they take that away and they have all the services and all the numbers in the back with some re- – that's all it's ever been and I've sort of just grown from there. How you how you doing it now with the COVID-19 outbreak and stuff? Um, and yeah, I've cancelled so many. I do corporates, I do schools, I do a variety – I do so many different types of, you know, groups and um, I've up to date I've probably had to uh, postpone – um, I don't know off the top of my head, but a lot. 
I do normally an average one a week. I'll try and fit it around training. So normally one a week. But so. the problem is now, like, this is where we're heading into this territory now is yeah. the social problems that will come out of this pandemic. It's yeah, not just yeah. economic. So we're going to start talking. Yeah. You know, people are going to start yeah, saying that the, sure. the suicide and stuff oh. is going to be much worse out of this. Man, it makes me so scared. It makes so, me nervous, man. Um, but the fit, that's why I done an interview the other day and I, I said I've got booklets in there. Take a box if you want. Thousands and thousands of booklets I would have probably would have handed out already. Um, so I said, whoever wants them, I'll post them to you. Like, you don't have to pay for anything. I'll post them to you. I've even emailed um, them to about 30 or 40 people. That many people have got in contact with me. Actually, not I haven't emailed. My missus sort of helps me out with that stuff. So she does a lot of emailing. But um, she actually does a fair bit for me. But um, we've sent it out already to a lot of people. Like, there's some people out there already. This is early days, but are really struggling. You know, is it loss of work, isolate? Like, there's so many red flags there right now. So um, I just want to get that out there to people and give it to whoever wants it, who needs it, um, and happy to have a chat to them if they need that too. And because um, it's so important that we're we're all in this together, so we just need to pull each other through that, and and we no doubt at all we'll come through it, but we just make sure we have got to look after each other. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You talked about it at the start. This is yeah. the isolation, the, the yeah. not having anyone to talk to yeah. at all is the is the big problem. Human connection, man. Um, yeah, that's that's the challenges there, and um, not to have someone there to talk to, and and um, you know when you're there by yourself and you're going through a dark time when you've got no job. Um, you got no one there to check in on you. There's so many red flags. And like I said, it, you can tell it makes me quite nervous for the future. Um, so we've got to make sure we the support out there and we check in. If people are listening to this, check in on the mate, you know, just to see how they're going. Take, you know, uh, give them a call, give them a message. Um, I know we're limited in what we can do, but just check in with your friends and family and making sure they're okay and um, spread that net. And um, it's important that we do that. What about domestic violence as well? I saw you yes, tweeting about this yes, the other day. Domestic violence. I'm, um, for a kid that come through a lot of that, I'll tell you what, you talk about tough times. Um, it's, it's the toughest times of my life is witnessing in that and going through um, domestic violence. If it's seeing my mum getting getting um you know uh, getting flogged or you know then them turning on me or you know whatever the times that I went through they were the toughest times of my life no doubt they scarred me those times so I know a lot of kids that happens to a lot of kids out there and they'll be at the moment be going through that so I'm yeah I hope they they the government said they're going to put more uh, funding in I hope that support gets those kids and um and to those families straight away because they need it. And, I, um, yeah, it breaks your heart to think about some of the situations, some of them they'll be going through, um, the kids and women and men, you know, in whatever situation, you know, there's some, um, there's some tough times out there for them. That's scary, isn't it, when you, oh, when you think about mate, that? crazy, crazy. You've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. Well, the 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 incident at the end of last year, and I remember I remember when this happened because yeah. we were in we were in the newsroom, and, and <laughs> someone goes, "Has anyone seen Joel Thompson's Instagram?" Yeah. And we saw it, and we're like, I, wow. "I don't know if that's real." Like, it just <laughs> yeah. like, what's what's Mate, happened? You know what? like, I've gotten so much trouble for that. So I done that off my. My wife's, um, so my mate sent a photo of me when I was in that brace and said he's alive, like he's going to be okay and sent a photo and sent it to my wife. So um, 
Yeah, so you want me to start from how what happened? Yeah, give us a yeah, give us a quick insight of, of what happened. Yeah, okay, I think okay, some okay. People so I was up at the Koori Knockout. Um, I went up there and um, I went to a friend's place and had drinks. And again, that switch was it didn't go off. I did, my wife was worried about me. She goes, "I need you to get home." Like I'm just she knew she knows like that. She just wants me to if, if I'm drinking for too long, she knows to try and cut that down and try and get me home where it's safe. So. Um, she rang my mates, got on the phone, and like going uh, spraying them, saying, "Get this dickhead!" Oh, sorry, sorry, get this fella, get this guy, get him home. Um, you know, blah blah. Um, and then my friends were like, "Yeah, he's probably had enough. He's carrying on a bit. So let's get him, get him home." Caught a taxi, and obviously, I went out the front. And during that time, um, I fell and and hit my head on um, on a rock or whatever, and then um. Oh, we don't actually – I say rock because there's nothing else. It could have been a, like there was a fencing thing. I could have hit my head against the fencing, but no one really knows. There was no footage on it, so it could have been whatever. But anyway, um, the taxi turned up, obviously rang through my mate. Um, but my other friend, um, Joshy Miller, ex-Canberra Raider, absolute champion. He's been my close friend for a long time and uh, – he had a feeling like a, a feeling and like something wasn't right and he's like oh I'm, I'm just gonna go out there and check on him make sure he's okay because i said me goodbyes and everything and they're like oh, all right um and the, you know and they were all pretty settled i'm the extreme drunk mess and they're all pretty you know yeah. you know and i um yeah they all went out and that's when they all he found me and um i was bleeding out um, you can probably see the mark on the top of my head either. Yeah, mark. yeah. I've been rubbing cream and trying to get those lasers. <laughs> trying to look after your good looks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Trying, uh, no looks there, but just trying to get rid of that red mark so every time I look in the mirror, it sort of reminds me <laughs> I hate it. Um, but, um, yeah, I was bleeding out. Um, and if it wasn't, you know, for him, if I stayed there for another hour or two, you know, the loss of blood, I wouldn't be, you know, obviously I would have died. Um, so they ambulance come and they flew me. Um, they made the decision there, and then when they found me in that state, they fly me straight to the Sydney from Gosford, and um, yeah, went into the um, yeah went through that for the next few few weeks or two and a bit weeks. I was in hospital and had to go through all that, and uh, woke up and bright lights over me. I was just like, honestly, I thought I was dead because it was such a weird feeling. Um, it just was so surreal because it was just like just big these big bright lights and um, actually gave him a bit of a light laugh and they said oh because I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to speak um, from an injury like that um, so they yeah so yeah went through that and um, yeah it was a scary, obviously a scary time um, having me wife and me friends and me nan and family and me kids running up to me crying and. Um, that's going to be the toughest part, right? Like oh, you, you go through, mate, but mate. then to look your wife in the eye and say, I, I, I stuffed up again. Through my actions, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. It's something I'll never forget. Um, you know, I, I really had this deep guilt, like, I don't know. Normally I'd get over things a lot, but um, I had this guilt, like, you know, how I made them feel and how sad I made them feel. It, it really just... Um, really sunk in for me, eh, to be honest. Um, and, you know, again, I put myself in that situation by not just drinking, like I'd have two beers and I'm straight on vodkas and I'm having big doses of just drinking, just, I'm just crazy. I'm just crazy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it was a big wake up call for me. And, you know, even another part of this, even story, um, a pop who I lived in Gundy Guy with, um, 
um, Slimmy, Slimmy Murdoch. I, I actually used to be called Joel Murdoch. I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, but their family sort of took me in when I was younger and, yeah, you know, I was like one of theirs. And um, he was sick and he was um, he was living in a nursing home in Gundigai and um, he was worried about me ringing me and like, you know, I ringing my wife, sorry, and was in t- like he was upset then. Um, when I actually got released from hospital, I got a phone call saying um, he only had hours to live and he was in Wagga Base Hospital. Um, this is something that I'll hold with me forever, something, you know, uh, this is like another hit of guilt as well. Um, so I rushed, you know, I wasn't meant to, I wasn't even meant, they weren't even going to let me out of hospital, to be honest, out of the brains uh, ward. Um, but I, they let me out because I said me, t- me me daughter actually did have a game of touch that I wanted to go to, and I made my wife drive me to uh, Wagga, and um, I spent, no word of a lie, uh, I spent five to ten minutes with him holding his hand before um, before he passed away. Wow. Um, and that, um, yeah, that that's tough. You know, I, I, again, um it was it was from my behaviour and from you know leaving him you know all I thought about was you know I his last you know his thoughts would have been worrying about me and what the situation I was in and you know and just something that, again I'll hold with me um some but you know I um I you know I it, it hit me pretty hard that hit me you know this all come at once you know at this period. You know, like I said, for some reason, I'm just always faced with some type of challenge through life and started at a young age. It's like when I first was born, I was, you know, with a single, with a young mum and um, faced, you know, all the different things that come with that childhood. Then, you know, as an adult, some of the stuff is through my own actions, um, not owning my shit pretty much. And then, again, that that, that hurt me a lot. Um, but, again... I was probably lucky in some way the lessons and the resilience that I've brought you know that has built me through my childhood that you know kept me strong and I want to live a life for him um you know and and you know I speak so much about him because he gave me so many good values in life you know to give everyone the time of day uh you know just watching how much of a hard worker he was he always had time you go to Gundy guy and you speak everyone absolutely loved him his funeral was massive you know because how well loved he was and um you know um yeah so it was all part of it it was a rough it was a rough time and you know even around that time I had to go through all the specialist meetings the NRL was just um they had to make sure I was okay to play the game and I was actually prepared to retire to be honest um I didn't want to put any more risk if I got a head in another knock on that spot and where I had the swelling and where I had the damage and that side of the brain. I was like, nah, it's no risk because I've got a family I don't care about. You know, it's not, no, nothing's worth that. Um, but I kept on clearing flying colours somehow because I'm not the smartest man either. And I was, fl- um, you know, smashing the, the test and that and then it gave me confidence and it took a bit, you know, um, to get going and then. Yeah, here I am. Um, now I'm faced with the uh, coronavirus. <laughs> Put another bit of a roadblock. But what else he's got for me? Well, you know, just keep them coming. Keep, keep them coming, yeah. pretty much. So, um, yeah. So that's where I'm at now. What about so? How long you've not been drinking now? Because you yeah, decided after accident. that. Yeah. yeah so what, drink- how long? How long are we talking? How long has that been? Uh, now? I said twelve months. I yeah. said I'm not going to drink for. And then if I can drink and drink and be like have a barbecue and have a few beers, 
not go mad. If I can go to the pub and have a few beers and go home when I'm meant to, um, then I'll then I'll be able to have a few drinks and a social thing. But if I can't, well, that's it. I won't. I'm, that's it. I'll make I'll make a decision and um, to not touch it because that's just the way it is. And I've made that promise to my family, um, to my wife, and um, you know she'll hold me to that. And my best friend, who was pretty on, my best friends, are pretty honest with me, which is good. Um, they call me a dickhead when I when I am, um, and just let me know. And that's what you need. You need friends like that. So, um, just see how we go. Um, and yeah, how tough is it? In a, a I guess you're you're a young man, but obviously a yeah. football environment as well. Yeah, to to not drink. You know, you oh. you go to the All Stars games. You know, afterwards the boys oh. want to have a beer, all that. Well, how, it is how tough, tough as um, Christmas party. We had it manly here. We went up to Newport, and the boys were all dressed up and having drinks and. You know, they'll bring in, you know, which I love sitting up with trays when people bring in trays and you sit up there and you're just ripping through the trays and, um, you know, all those different things. Like, I couldn't be there for too long because I was getting too many temptations. I've got to get out of here because. Um, you know, you'd need to take tips from Jake Jabroyevich, yeah. he's a smoke bomb expert. Yeah, yeah. He is the, yeah, he is. the he king is. of dis- yeah, exactly. disappear. disappearing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so I just took myself home. But, yeah, different situations. It's easier now, obviously, because we're not really doing much, but. Um, even going to play poker and there's beers, going out there mowing the lawns today. I normally have a few beers mowing lawns, uh, cooking a barbecue. I, don't know, I always just got into a habit of having beers and I enjoy having beers. And But um, like I said, I'm just going to give the 12 months a go and then if I can have a couple of beers, cooking a barbecue or going for dinner or whatever it is, um, we'll see how we go. But um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. How supportive are, I guess, the boys in in, in knowing what nah, you try and do, and and especially yeah. with the, are they are they on you? And yeah, no, nah, obviously there's still a bit of banner in that, yeah. but um, yeah, you just they're they're all pretty good. And they understand. They know the situation. How serious it was. I've shared that. Um, you know, when you nearly lose your life through drinking, there's a good reason why I'm not doing it now. Um, but yeah, no, they're all pretty good. They are. You said you, you got in trouble for that photo. Like, who, yeah, who, yeah. Who, so, oh, yeah, I've got to who, go back to that. Yeah, who, who smashed you for the Yeah, <laughs> so I was, you're not allowed um, phones or anything while you're in the ward. Um, they're very strict. You're, um, you know, you're visiting hours at certain times and um, you're not allowed any because you're not yourself. For the first week or so, you, you you know, when I first come out of it, I was swearing at the nurses. I was um, a person next to me. I was abusing. Like I was just... It just wasn't me. It's just you're not yourself after you have an injury like that. It's crazy. Really? Well, yeah. why, why? Why? I don't know. It's something to do with yeah, the brain. Yeah. But the, the the damage I'd done there just it was. I don't know. It just changed my personality for some <laughs> reason. It actually got me into a um my own room quicker, which was good. Glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I grabbed my wife's phone. I said, "Oh, let me just have a look on my Instagram." She goes, "Why?" Are you? I said, "Just give me a look." Um, so I was on that and there was a photo on there of me in that neck brace and blood coming out of me and I put that up. I don't know why, what was I was thinking. I don't know what I, was, what I even wrote but I wrote. I Actually, now that I think about it, it would have been to let people know I was okay. I was worried about that because I had a lot of people that were stressing about yeah. me and you know, obviously I was like, I'm okay. But I was, but then there were people who just didn't even know at all. Yeah, but that's the like, thing. Yeah. And then I put on social media and not smart at all. Yeah. And it just <laughs> went everywhere. And my wife actually, I don't know who the reporter was, but some reporter rang me, rang, my, um, rang the phone and I was actually talking to a reporter and like telling them this big version 
not even in the the place where I was, I was meant to be and like pretty much made up this whole thing. Story. And my wife's like grabbed the phone off me and said, like, get off the phone. <laughs> it wasn't Wyler, was it? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, Danny Wyler. I, was, I don't know who yeah. it was. Um, I'll have to ask her when she comes back in. But um, she laughs about it now and my mates laugh about it. And even my mates, like we all love a post, put something up on Instagram, you know, we all get carried away. Um even they said, you know, I'm, I'm just like pretty much hanging on to life, like just survived on there, posting on Instagram, like, you know, putting up, getting looking for people who feel sorry for you. But um, nah, you know, um, it was pretty silly. I wish I didn't do it because then it just went everywhere. And if I didn't do it, no one would have had that photo. They just would have said, oh, but unfortunately, yeah, it did go everywhere. But it's all good, all good. The NRL... Did they say anything or did they, they... Yeah, well, there was heaps of crazy rumours, which is disappointing. Um, people said I was in a car accident. The one that I couldn't cop is one where people said that I got bashed. I was like, no, I didn't get <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's coming up with this. Um, nah, but there was some crazy rumours. And um, I want to work with the NRL, obviously. I've got a good, I've done a lot of stuff with the NRL. I don't know if I'll get a, any jobs of them now going forward with the situation uh, the NRL in. But um, so... I wanted to, you know, come out and be honest about what happened. So I spoke to the manly media and I said, I'll just tell the story and just share what happened. There's still people going, that's not the truth. You know, you get your, your typical people are just, um, sometimes I get caught up in reading comments and different stuff. No, and I really shouldn't. Never I, I should never do it, but yeah. I do. And people are going, oh, I heard he crashed a car. I heard he done a runner. He I was just sitting there burning, going, why am I reading this? <laughs> but I still do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, it's, you know, I look back and I learn a lot. I learn a lot. Uh, it's a crazy story, but you know, yeah. you're here. You're yeah. here to tell the story and yeah. – uh, and you'll be back, hopefully, playing footy soon. And yeah. uh, I, I didn't know that you you considered retiring. Like, like, with, like the thought crossed your head if you, you, you know, you, oh, this head. Oh, hundred percent. Because um, you know the, the damage that I've done there. You know, the swelling and whatever else. Like my reactions to things. You know, um, my like everything was coming back, but it's just I didn't know when it was going to come back. So I couldn't do contact for a fair bit of the preseason up to I think it was early Feb or late January I couldn't start doing contact and I was coming back from my broken arm as well so I'm just there was a bit of doubt with different things like am I going to be able to whack people am I going to be able to do my job you know because um, I didn't want to go out there and be you know not letting the team down not doing my job correctly so I was just like I'd rather just go out and retire now you know and just whatever but um, yeah I just kept on backing myself and kept on working hard at it and then um, yeah, I got to a position. Unfortunately, I was starting to feel good. You know, coming in the first two games, you know, getting that confidence back. The All Stars game was. It's all about the confidence thing. With it, you know, I, I, you, you block it out. But for some reason, I don't know with the head, if it's with the head or what. But you just feel like, you know, if you get knee there or something, if it's because you get told by the doctors and specialists how changing and you go around the ward and you're seeing people that can't feed themselves that can't speak now from head injuries um you know how close you you know how yeah you know fragile it is so you know it was in the back of my mind when i started doing contact and that but i was trying to just block it all out and just yeah you start getting confidence the more you do it well as i said hopefully we're all back we're all back playing footy at some point this year and yeah. uh, uh, we can all watch and i can go back to reporting on sport because i feel yeah. like i'm gonna have to be a news reporter soon and that's gonna be a, a yeah. nightmare but yeah we'll just finish off right yeah. just have a bit of fun and uh yeah. hit, hit you with some questions and see yeah. if you off the top of your head just spit out some answers yeah um your most hated part of training 
fitness. What what specifically? Oh, just Malcolm's or anything off the ground. I hate that type of fitness. I don't mind the longer stuff. I can run that, but anything off the ground, I'm a slob. I get so um, my technique goes yeah out the window. I'm just yeah. <laughs> so probably that yeah. What about your ultimate day off? If you're having a day off training and you, have, oh, you can do anything, um, what are you doing? I, I love going down here to the rock pools, uh, going to Zubies. Um, if I can give them a mention, I hope they look after me coffees. Um, but no, going for coffee, reading the paper, and then just having a chat chat to a few of my close mates and then um, you know, hanging out with the missus and the kids and doing whatever, yeah. Last 50 bucks, what are you spending it on? Um, I reckon I'll try and put in um, where's the gold and try and double it, yeah. try and get a feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I that, spoke mate. to James Roberts last time and I said, I said, last 50 bucks, but you can't put it through yeah. the pokies. Oh, okay, <laughs> Um, probably just a good feed then somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> what about um celebrity crush? You got one? Um, nah, no. Oh, oh, what's her name? The blondie from Margot Robbie. Oh, I see. Robert said the same thing. Oh, he yeah. said the same thing. Yeah. I say it too loud. <laughs> but, um, yeah, probably. Her. Um, what about who would play you in a movie if they made a movie about your life? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I can't think, eh, to be honest. You know, the... the tr- um, oh, what's his name? What's he in? Uh, you know, the twins, the ones, the... Oh, Tom Hardy. Yeah, Are you thinking Tom of Tom Hardy? Hardy? Yeah. Rafa, a bit, yeah. yeah. Someone like him, probably. That's a good one. Yeah, probably that, him. You'd be, I'd be, that's a good one to go with. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie with the twins, don't they? They're, yeah, they're I love gangsters, that movie, eh? Yeah, gangsters, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he may. Yeah. Not saying I'm a gangster at all. <laughs> um, and you could probably fight and I'm hopeless, but um, yeah, probably him, eh? What about uh, when you're playing, who's the one player you, you look up and you see and you go, oh, I don't want it. I don't want him anywhere near me? Um, Jason Tomalolo. Tamala, yeah, yeah, I'm about to pronounce his last name, but um, yeah, probably him because he's just so annoying to try and tackle him, and you have to recruit players around you to get him down, and um, you always got to be on with him. So yeah, probably him. None of the, none of the outside backs, like not not the Ponga oh, or anyone yeah, like that. All different. Because if you if you're on the edge, you know. Yeah, or edges play. Yeah, Ponga again. Um, Oh, good halves too. Guys are good dummies. I hate them because you go out and you're trying like Mitchell Pierce and different players that have a good show and go, and um, that really annoys me because you go out to go out too fast and they give you your four for a dummy and they cut you back inside. So yeah, there's a few out there, eh? That are annoying. Just finally, uh, how do you go with the wrestle? Like I, I've heard that. People tell me that Jake Trebojevic is the ultimate wrestler. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's a king of wrestling. He's unbeatable, which yeah. is amazing because he's got, you know, there's yeah, no yeah. there's no core that like nah, he's just... Nah. he doesn't need that. He nah. looks like a... He's just a big heart. That's what overtakes. Doesn't matter what your body shape is. That's what you... It's just perfect. Like he's just got a big heart and I love that. I love that about players. Um, you can tell in different players. Some players, you know, you see in rep footy you get by on um, being fast and... Um, talent, but they they got P hearts. But Jake doesn't. Jake's got it all. He's got a massive heart, and I love that about the players. And yeah, I love the wrestle and all that sort of stuff. Um, Could like you I, beat him? Nah, probably not. Um, I started getting into. I don't know if I'm meant to say. I'll say it while we're in the Corona because we're in shutdown at the moment. But I started getting into jujitsu. Um, my daughter's been doing it for over twelve months. Um, at the Gorilla, just up here at Warrywood and. 
man, I'm absolutely in love with it. I'm addicted to it. Um, full. That's what I'm going to be into. Full. I'm going to. I can see myself doing that four or five times a week when I finish football. So. Um, yeah, I, I actually I love it, eh? You fight? You reckon you could fight? You'd have a fight? I'm Yeah, I like yeah. to yeah, get into a competition. That's how yeah. I go. But I've got a long way to go. You get humbled in there. Yeah. So humbled. So humbled. Um, and you try and it doesn't matter how if you think you can use strength because those guys are absolutely freaks. But they're all so humble in there. They say there's you know, sayings, you know, you leave your ego. Um, before you know, before you get on the mats, and it's all about it's not about winning and losing. It's you know, it's about learning and all that sort of stuff. And I love it. That's why I wanted to get my daughter involved, and she loves it too. And we both is something that we do together. And um, you know, it's hard with football because it's trying to manage it around football yeah, the workload. So yeah. I try and do it earlier in the week, and and I don't do the competitive rolling on the mats. But I, uh, yeah, it's very addictive. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, how how so. old's your daughter? Um, she's six. Six, and she's into it already. Yeah, she's been doing it for twelve months. She's grey, um, grey belt. Um, yeah, she's good. At the start, she was a bit princessy and didn't want to get involved, and then she started going. And now nah, she's good. She she can do arm bars and do everything <laughs> now. She likes a little Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I love her. I'm not going to have a boy, so. Um, I might follow her career for UFC. Yeah. <laughs> well, the girls, man, they, they, yeah, it's a they big, it's big these days. Yeah, the girl yeah. UFC. I reckon the little one is peeping through the window. They're looking. She's gonna be wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's something that we both enjoy and love, and it's a really good community up there um, at Warrywood and the Gorilla. They're great family. They like family. They're great people. So. Um, yeah, something I'll do after footy. I can see your future, man. I can see you getting called to the principal's office and your daughter's just taking oh, down some kid again. Yeah, like, she's not going to put up with it. If yeah, some bully's yeah, yeah. there, like a bully like I was this little fellow when I used to go to school, because I used to be poor and that and had no food, I used to go and raid people's lunchboxes and that. And um, yeah, she'll be choking kids out. If <laughs> anyone's touching her lunchboxes, that's for sure. <laughs> Perfect, bro. Joel Thompson, thanks for being on the Refuse to Lose podcast, man. Thanks for being so honest. It's been a, a wonderfully entertaining chat, and hopefully, you know, people hear your story and they, you know, they hear what you've been going through and how you keep continuing to make a difference. And oh, yeah, thanks again, man. Appreciate no, it. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, guys. We've got plenty more episodes coming your way very soon. Don't forget to follow the Refuse to Lose podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We look forward to talking to you again soon.